You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And uh, also, we've got on the on the show with us tonight for a little chalk talk, a little geeking out over some X's and O's is Mr. Ryan Schlipp. Say hello, Mr. Ryan. Hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> so... Um, obviously, uh, we want to do a quick plug for our giveaway. Um, if you guys go to my Twitter page, we're going to be giving away a Quay Walker autographed jersey. It's the white away jersey, a Beckett style uh, certificate of authenticity, all that good stuff. Uh, to enter yourself into that contest, you just go to my Twitter page. You'll see a tweet that's pinned at the top of the page. You just retweet that tweet. Make sure you're following the account. That'll enter you into the contest one time to win that. We're going to do a, uh, a drawing for that jersey. And then if you'd like to enter yourself into the contest multiple times, we've got a really, really cool, um, you know, I guess, uh, organization that we're looking to give to. We've had several people already donate, which is awesome. It's actually uh, Ryan's Father's Ministry and really excited about supporting that. All the details will be right there in the pinned tweet because I've actually, in the pinned tweet, is a tweet that he put out that's retweeted. So I know that sounds confusing, but you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. But uh, for every $5 that a person donates to that cause, that'll get you into the contest one additional time. So, you know, for example, if you if you go out and you, you, know, you donate $10, like we had someone do earlier today, that'll put you in the contest an additional two times, uh, you know, like I said, in addition to the once that you're already uh, uh, entered in just for retweeting and following the account. So just want to mention that it's an awesome cause. And, um, yeah, we're excited about giving away another jersey. But, all right, so tonight, um, you guys will probably be hearing this on podcast uh, on uh, Thursday afternoon, probably around noon central time. But we're going live here on Twitter and YouTube to kind of hang out with the folks here this evening. So we're going to do a little chalk talk segment. And we've gotten great feedback. Uh, Ryan, it's funny, man. I was I was trying to steer clear of it a little bit because, you know, just because you enjoy doing something, might not be the best idea, you know, <laughs> just because well, exactly you what you mean, mean the yeah. listeners enjoy it. And uh, I love geeking out over anything X's and O's and just trying to understand why a team's doing what they're doing and the purpose of everything. And um, that's why, you know, started doing chalk talk segments. And luckily we've gotten a couple, couple people give feedback and they're like, Hey man, really love the chalk talk. So we're going to keep doing it. Um, we already got some people here in the chat. This is exciting. We got uh, <laughs> Andrew just throwing up the patent. I love you, Sam. We love you too, Andrew. Appreciate it. This one right here, you're going to get me going early, Mr. Daniel. The sky is falling. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> and we've got, a, let's see here, Speed Stick Gang in the house. What's up, guys? What's going on, buddy? And uh, here we got Professor, uh, Professor Cakes, R-E-L-A-X. That's funny. That's funny because I actually made a, a call in the Packernet after dark and you guys may have heard me say the same thing there. I don't know, I'm just a little hint there. But um, he also says, serious question, though. Should the Packers call up the Panthers for either a Brian Burns or a DJ Moore trade? Before we get into the uh, the Chalk Talk segment here, Ryan, why don't we answer that, man? I know what my answer to the question is, and it's probably a boring answer. But uh, for me, it's a no because, you know, the way that the salary cap is set up and the structure of this team, man, there's not a whole lot of room to bring people on board at the moment. And not necessarily for this year, but even moving forward, there's so many questions in the air, in my opinion, when it comes to David Bakhtiari's health and how long is he going to play? How long is Aaron Rodgers going to play? All these things. And I know some things can be finagled, but at the same time, um, this roster, in my opinion, is kind of set other than draft picks. But what do you think, Ryan? I know there's been a lot of talk around DJ Moore. I haven't heard Brian Burns, but uh, what do you think about those two? Yeah. Do you think any chance that a trade happens? It's I, I I love the idea of having them on the team. I don't love the idea of what we'd have to give up. Um, I mean, j just from a from a state. I mean, if, if we were to do a player trade, who would you be willing to give up for him? Would you be willing to give up Adrian Amos for any of these guys? 
Because these are these are high level guys. I don't even know if Amos would be enough. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Would you give up Elton Jenkins for Brian for Brian Burns? You know what I mean. Nope. So <laughs> when you think about it in those terms, it's 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 an obvious no. And um, I mean Brian Brian Burns would unless you're hearing something about wanting to trade him. I there, I don't think there's any chance in the world they'd ever give him up. There's no way they'd give him up for less than a first round pick. Um, DJ Moore, I would assume, also is going to ask for a serious bag. He's a really good wide receiver. Um, so I. I always love the idea of having them on the team, but when you hear what it's going to cost to get them here, aside from the part where they would just never give give them up, um, it's always a no for me. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like I said, um, and for me, it's more. It's funny. It always comes down to the numbers for me, to the money, and you know, we're already being very aggressive with the cap and how we're building this team. We're kind of going all in with Aaron being here. And when you start bringing those players on, I mean, you're going to be talking about contract extensions coming into play. Um, you know, one of the things I'm going to mention on the backside of this show is just how little money we're spending in the wide receiver room. If you bring on a DJ Moore, I don't even know what his current contract is, but let's assume that, you know, within the next two or three years, you're going to have to give him an extension. I don't know how that plays in. You know, I kind of feel like the blueprint has been laid out for this roster, and I don't know uh, exactly how much uh, – you know, leeway there would be there. But, I mean, it's a great question. And D.J. Moore is a dynamic player. I've seen him make a play, I believe it was last week, and he got loose on a crosser. And I'm like, gosh, he just looks so much quicker and so much more agile than anybody we have on our receiving core. And it's probably not even true. Maybe it's how they're yeah. utilizing him. But I understand. I, I, I do see here. I was just curious because uh, it was a very specific. Um, teams have inquired about wideout DJ Moore and edge rusher Brian Burns, according to Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer. So I think this is the whole thing with Matt Rule being fired. Not necessarily that the teams are actually willing to do it, but I think there's a lot of calls going in saying, hey, are you guys by chance doing a fire sale? So I don't know if they're actually willing or not, but um, it sounds like teams are at least inquiring. I'm sure I'm sure the Packers called because they always call, but uh, <laughs> don't expect anything to happen. Yeah, it's funny. Fourth and Amari for DJ. (laughs) This is such a classic. Like, uh, it's like (laughs) when you play fantasy football and you've got the best player in the world and they offer you up like four of their bench players. It's like, why? No, get out of my face. That's, there's (laughs) no way a third and a fourth and Amari. First of all, Amari just dropped that because they don't want Amari. Nobody wants Amari. That's useless. And then a third and a fourth, no chance. So, yeah, it's a nice thought, but never. Right. And, I, and I'm hearing people say cut Amari. I'm hearing people say trade Amari. First of all, if you trade Amari, even if you cut him, what you're essentially doing is you bought high and you sold low. And I understand. Trust me, I'm one of those guys, one of those football fans that believes in when you realize what you've got, if you don't agree with what you got, then cut bait as soon as possible. But, you know, who knows? He, he may maybe he becomes serviceable next year. I don't know. It ain't looking like it. That's for sure. But again, I, I'm not a big fan of of buying high and selling low. I think that's what gets teams in trouble. And uh, yeah, it just, I don't know. And another thing too is whether it's Amari or anyone else, it does hurt your locker room. It does cause players and personnel to not trust your front office. Like, are they going to give up on me after one or two years? Like, I mean, that stuff does come into play. It really does. Um, And I I just, I don't see the benefit of it. I mean, why, why do we, I get that you're frustrated with him. I don't understand the get rid of him thing. Why, why does he have to go away? Just, just ignore him. He's not doing anything. He's sitting on the bench. He's probably about to, he already lost kick returns. He's probably going to lose punt return. So, I mean, he's taking up a roster spot spot for a guy, for another guy that you don't want to play. So we don't have to panic and throw him off the team. It's just let him sit there. If there's a 2% chance he becomes a good wide receiver, let's just see if we hit that 2% because it's, it's, we don't benefit from sending him away. Nobody wants him. We're not going to trade anything. Just calm down. He's just sitting there, not hurting anybody. <laughs> just leave it. Hey, he's not bothering you. Don't bother yeah, him. Exactly. <laughs> it's tough. We're right here. We got Daniel in the house. He says it's consistency. That's the biggest issue. Uh, they are the ones beating themselves. And I, I'm telling you right now, that's it. That's the story. I mean, yeah. that first half, Ryan, it looked great. Yeah. I mean, I was watching in the car on the ride home and I was like, this is what we wanted for our London crowd. This is what we wanted for the European fans. They deserve this. Boat race them. Boat race them and turn it in. Just get to the after party as quick as possible. And then the second half happened. It was like, I mean, every drive, every single drive, I was like, why are we not running the football? And I'm not yeah. one of those fans that's like, run that other play. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> but. That's the thing. I'm I'm not usually that guy. I'm becoming that guy. There's certain things like soft defense. Like guys, you guys are like that's you're getting a little carried away with stuff. You don't know what you're talking about, but then you watch it 
and I the, the podcast tomorrow, you're going to hear me talk about it a lot. Every time you see our guys pressed up on the line of scrimmage, I'm, I'm like, I bet this is a good play, and it is. And every time you see him back way off, like 10 yards off, I bet this sucks, and it does. <laughs> Just stop doing right. that. I'm sorry. I, I know there's a reason for it. I'm sure Sam Holman could really educate us on it, but it just looks stupid and it's not working. Yeah. And uh, Daniel here says, do you think the coaches need to quote dumb down the plays? They could possibly be getting too technical on these plays. I just want to see the players uh, to play confident and fast. In my opinion, it's late rotation is the number one problem. You know, Matt, Matt LaFleur said it in his presser. I think he said it perfectly was there's some plays that the crossers are covered perfectly. And then there's other plays, and he and he kind of let it slip. You could tell he wanted to cut himself off, and he's just like, we're we're not getting in position, we're not getting set quick enough. And you know, one of the things about the Vic Fangio defense is you want to show that too high look. You always want to show a cover four look, two high safeties, two two safeties on the shelf, and then you do a late rotation when the ball is snapped. They rotate into a single high look typically. Now that could turn into a number of different things. It could be a cover six. It could be a cover three. It could be a cover four quarters. It could be a cover four palm. There's all kinds of things it could turn into. But the point is you're showing too high and you end up in a single high. Well, when the ball snapped, those guys are rotating, trying to get into position. Not all the time, but a large portion of the time. Therefore, they're late on the crosser. I mean, you think about it. If you're coming from the safety position and you've got to shift up, you know, anywhere from seven to ten yards to cover your guy, he's coming right off the ball, starting in a crosser. You're playing from behind the entire play. That's me personally. I've seen exactly what LaFleur was saying there, and that's kind of what it felt like to me. But as far as dumbing down the plays, I don't think it's that. I mean, there's really not a whole lot to this defense, right? It, it's it's pretty straightforward. It's a it's a mostly zone defense. There's some man principle, but it's just a matter of being in position to make the play. I would I would say it's almost the exact opposite. Um, I I, th- I just thought about this today. You know, we we brought in a defense from the Rams, and the Rams, aside from having probably the best defensive player in football, don't have a lot of great players. And it feels like we brought in a defense that's able to succeed you don't need studs everywhere it's able to succeed with with we have studs though we i almost wish we were running what the giants are running you know it's a very aggressive very fast very man because we have the guys to pull it off a lot of defenses don't we do we have the ability to run defenses that others don't and i feel like we're playing very i hate to use soft because it's overused but very soft very like you know stand back wait and see what happens don't get beat do the we're not aggressive. We're not fast. We're, we're, we're not creative. We're kind of, like you said, we're very basic. You rush forward. There's no stunts. There's no twists. There's no nothing. You just stand in your zone. You read, re- react. I mean, there's maybe a couple guys that aren't quite getting it. Quay is a big one. He's really struggling to understand his assignments, it seems like to me. But yeah. um, I, I would almost go the opposite. I think we're, we're not utilizing them to the full abilities that they have. You know, a couple guys, Stokes had some mental errors. Quay did. Savage, I think, does once in a while, but I, I, I would almost go the opposite. I, I think we're underutilizing the talents that we have. Yeah, I could see that for sure, and, and it is. You're, you're right. It's, it's one of those that whether you've got superstar players or average players, the the scheme itself and playing that bend but don't break and that too mm-hmm. high look, um, it, it's keep everything in front of you. I mean, you could get mediocre to good players to probably get you the same or similar results than you know the superstar roster you got. Well, you want those guys to play loose. Yeah, one of my least favorite things is is conceding seven yards on you know second and ten. Drives me crazy. I don't understand that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's our defense thrives on like third and ten. You've mm-hmm. got them in second and ten. We I saw that like five times. Second and ten, we concede seven to put them in third and three. Well, especially a team that runs play action as well as they do. Now they're going to run play action. We're going to bite on it. So now there's no pass rush. They're going to beat us all. I mean, it's, it's why are you doing that? And then you see, again, this is what I'm talking about, about underutilizing guys. What is the benefit of having Jair Alexander, as good as he is, standing three yards behind the sticks, just waiting for somebody to catch it so he can run up and tackle him? Right. What a waste of resources that is. He's way too talented to just be standing. You got uh, him and Savage and Amos just standing there waiting for someone to catch it, run up and tackle him and put him in a third and three. That's stupid to me. That's yeah, so and, stupid. And even if on the specific play call, even if Jair's responsibility is deep, let him play snug. You know he's got the athleticism to right. get deep. You know he's, he's he can still get to his spot. Now, we're just a couple dudes talking football as if we know more than the coaching yeah. staff. But when you see that stuff happen, 
like you said, on a on a third and ten or a second and ten, whatever it is, and you see them playing that far off the ball, and it's like, okay, they're going to run a slant or a short post underneath this, and their momentum is going to carry on beyond the first down. Like, how how right. do we think this is a good idea? Not all right. the time, but. You know, it seems like the majority of the time that's happening. So, and, and on a on a third and ten, as long as we're stopping them three yards short of the sticks, that's the only time I get it. You mm. concede seven on a third and ten because it gets them off the field. I get it. Second and ten, first and ten, never, <laughs> right. never. Right. And yeah, on a third and ten, don't concede nine because he's probably going to pick up that other yard. Right. I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. I'd I'd love to have someone smarter than me sit down and explain why that's a good idea because I don't get it. I think Joe Barry would too, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Mike says, uh, I noticed that the Packers only had 15 guys play a snap on defense, lowest in the league in week five, the lowest for them for the year. The fourth quarter collapse could be because everyone was gassed. I don't know if that's uh, 100% accurate, Mike. I'm trusting that it is. I'm sure you know what you're talking about. If that is the case, I mean, that 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 is a number that kind of kind of appears a little bit staggering. Now, I will say this the fact that Aaron kept coming out and using the pass of the RPO. Every single play in the second half, sure didn't help the defense. Now, again, they gave up points to the best of my knowledge on five straight drives. The defense gave up points. That that's there's no excuse for that, right? But it does not help when your quarterback comes out and literally pass, 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 punt. You know yep. those guys were sitting on the sideline, like for God's sakes, twelve, give us a breather for just a second. Um, all right, moving on to the next comment here. This is Professor Cakes again. I think. There could be a benefit, though, for the Packers to inquire about Will Fuller. He's on the street. See if he will take a veteran minimum prove it deal. Um, then you got to get him up to speed. You got to get yep. him up to speed with the offense. Um, there's a number of different factors there. I understand, you know, everyone's answer seems to be, you know, we all want it to be this easy fix of we just need yards, we need points, we need explosive plays. I get that. And Will Fuller, he does have the athleticism if indeed he's completely healthy. But he's got an injury problem. And another thing that Bill Parcells always preached was when you bring in veterans like that, they are progress stoppers. You now have, Do you now have Dobbs kind of embedded into this role. And we're going to talk about a play by him here in, here in just a little bit. If you bring someone like that in and it starts taking snaps away from Dobbs, now you're stunting his growth. We would much rather see Dobbs by midseason be just as good as Fuller. Right. And to me, he's he's showing, you know, just as much talent. I mean, Dobbs really hasn't done anything bad, in my opinion. I just don't want to see them take away snaps from young players when we've come this far, especially when the veteran might not even be up to their par because now they have to learn a new a new terminology, a new system, all those things. Uh, but I understand your point, too, though. So No, I, yeah. I, and that's the thing. I mean, if you got three wide receivers, who are you going to put on the bench? Who do you want to take off the field? You want to take Lazard off the field? I don't think that's a good idea. He's the most reliable guy we have. Same with Randall. And, and you know, to your point with Dobbs, you definitely don't want to stun his growth. But And I, I want to go back and watch because I, I watched all the plays through once. I want to go back and watch all the offensive plays and see how many of them we actually had guys open. Because every time a play doesn't work, we just assume, and the, and the announcers are happy to tell us, and everybody's happy to just jump to conclusions, it's because our receivers can't get open. That's usually not the case. And right. just the, the, the one thing that I know for sure, both times we kicked field goals, Rodgers didn't throw to a guy who would have scored a touchdown. He had, on one of the plays, he had two guys running wide open down the field. He didn't throw it. Now, you can blame it on the offensive line if you want, not giving him enough time, whatever. doesn't matter. The point is, there was an easy walk-in touchdown on that play. And then on the other one where we kicked a field goal, there were guys. And that's just, that's just big plays that would have been touchdowns. That's not every single time somebody was open. So it's not that guys necessarily aren't getting open. Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it's the offensive line isn't blocking well enough to get the ball out. Sometimes Rodgers doesn't see him. Sometimes Rodgers throws a bad ball. I don't think the issue is our guys can't get open. I'm not really seeing that when I'm watching it. Yeah, same here. Same here. I, I, I'm not looking at this is frustrating. The receivers aren't doing their job. Right. That's not it at all. And it doesn't help that the offensive line has struggled early in the year, which, you know, I mean, it, it, it definitely doesn't help. Right. Uh, Matthew says, uh, as hard as the – as hard as that game was to watch, it's nothing compared to the Broncos-Colts game. Broncos country, let's die. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I'll tell you what, man, you look around the league, um, there was some bad football. It wasn't just the Packers, right? Um, and, and it's it's crazy when you look at the PFF grades. I don't know if you paid, uh, paid attention to them, Ryan, but, um, you know, Geno Smith out in Seattle, is he not leading in quarterback grade right now overall? I know he was previously. I can pull it up in one second here. Yeah, Geno Smith, number one, uh, number one passing grade, number one overall grade, ahead of Josh Allen. 
It's wild. It's, it's the order is Geno, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. So yeah. just as we all expected. <laughs> exactly. Um, Atheist for the call says the Giants only ran 59 snaps the entire game. Uh, that's that's mind-boggling. It really is. And then Daniel says, do you think the locker room is in trouble? Uh, there were some comments made by players that wasn't necessarily team-friendly. You know, for me, um, I, I kind of like how they they clapped back at Matt Schneidman. And, and basically, Pat McAfee said he was in there stirring it up. And then, of course, Matt came back and was kind of like, oh, you know, I wasn't stirring up anything. I was doing my job. I mean, he literally asked a question to provoke an answer and then took that answer and went straight to Aaron Rodgers and said, hey, so-and-so said this. I mean, this, this feels like high school. It really does. Yeah. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to report like that, and I love Matt Schneidman. He's one of my favorite followers. If you're going to do that, own it. But don't pretend like now all of a sudden, well, I wasn't trying to stir anything up. Okay. But uh, I don't think the locker room's in shambles at all. I really don't. Now, the, here's the here's the beef that I've got with Jair Alexander. I know he's a superstar. But you come into this year, you got the bag, just like Aaron Rodgers, right? You got the bag. You're getting paid top dollar. I think the highest paid corner in the league. And then you come in and you're upset because your teammates didn't vote you team captain. All right. Well, that sucks. Okay, you've been showing a lot of injuries here lately. It seems like every other game there's something that's tweaked there. And then you come out after this game and say, well, if we lose next week, I'm going to be worried. Like at some point you got to go, all right, maybe maybe I need to shut up for a second because that stuff does not help the locker room. He also made the man coverage comments. Exactly. That was the other one. So, I mean, sooner or later, like, I'm sorry, if everywhere you go it smells like crap, you might want to check your boot. It's probably on yours. Like, you know, you can't just keep popping off at the mouth like it. He just seems like he's a little bit of a loose cannon. We know he's emotional, and I love the energy he brings. You know, both – you got to kind of take the good with the bad, you know. So, um, Yeah, and I I just think when things are bad, the locker room is going to be shaky. When things are good, the locker room is going to be great. You know, that's just the way it is. I think that's the way it is for every team. Uh, it's it is a problem, you know. The more losing, the more problems there are. The more that these things happen, it's it's kind of a downward spiral. So that's another reason why we really need to beat the Jets because we need we need some positive infusion, not just uh, in terms of the wins and losses, but in terms of getting that locker room kind of back up because it yeah. will kind of reach a breaking point. You know, guys will start butting heads. You had Rogers commenting about Jair saying, "I don't like you talking like that," and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other talking going on in the locker room. So. Get some positive wins, get some good stuff going, and that'll that'll turn around. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, here we go, Atheist for the Cause again. He says uh, the wide receiver would make sense is a wide receiver one, and I don't know if we can afford to pay a wide receiver 16 to $20 million. And I'll tell you what, if it's a true wide receiver one, uh, man, that that you may be underselling that price too because, my goodness, I mean, the, the, the market is so inflated right now, it's not even funny. Um, next, next comment here from Matthew. How about we start bringing Walker in on a blitz or just blitz period? Someone need to get Barry out of his comfort zone and play some dictating defense. Me personally, and and I'm going to respectfully disagree, Matt. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the blitz. We seen it forever with Dom Capers and it worked initially early on. It worked. It got our defense in a spot where we could win a Super Bowl, And then people started to catch on. I, what I've seen, especially with like Tom Brady, with Aaron Rodgers, some of the better quarterbacks, and, and it all comes down to matchups. Obviously, week in and week out, your your scheme should change. And I don't think I don't think we're seeing that, which is really what bothers me the most about this defense at the moment. It's like no matter who we play, we're going to do the same thing: playing off, playing soft coverage, like we talked about all those things. But you know, Aaron Rodgers struggles when they bring a four man rush. When they bring a four man rush. That's when Aaron Rodgers is like, oh, crap, there's so many people in coverage. He doesn't like to throw picks. He doesn't like to force throws and all those things. Um, that's how you beat, in my opinion, one of those conservative quarterbacks, one of those, one of the great quarterbacks. That's how you beat them. Get pressure on them with four men and play a lot of coverage. That's how you do it. Um, as far as blitzing, I don't know, man. I, I'm not there yet. I just want to see them play a little more snug. And let's let's forget with the reverse sugar. And what I mean by reverse sugar is it's always showing two on the shelf. Okay, that that they've obviously caught on to that now. Teams come in now, they watch the tape and they go 95% of the time, they're not actually in a too high look. They're just showing that pre-snap. Let's just forget what we're even seeing pre-snap. Mm-hmm. You know, play reactionary after the snap. I, I would like to see them just get in their spot. Just get in your spot, line up where we're gonna play. Uh, play aggressive, play tight. It's okay to blitz. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to go overboard. You know, just just firing from the hip. He's also terrible at it. Just for the record, 
Um, he has had one pressure this entire year. He's he's rushed the passer twenty one times. That is that is yeah. appallingly bad. Um, and it, it's funny because I I saw whatever game that was. It was against New England. Obviously, somebody found his one pressure and they put it up on Twitter and they're like, this is why we need to do this more often. Look at him. It's like, oh, you found his one. Congratulations. <laughs> Quay is really struggling, man. Let's 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 keep it simple. Let's put him in his zone, do what he's got to do. I, I, I'll i be honest, you know, I, I'm excited about Quay and his future, but right now he was the biggest liability in that game and it's yeah. not even close. I mean, it. They they literally were picking on him in the second half. Yeah. They every time, no matter where he lined up, they ran right at him. No matter what play they were running, they threw right at him. Every single play was going right to Quay, and he couldn't yeah. handle it. I mean, it was it was it was really bad for for Walker. Yeah, and and you're gonna have that with rookie players, you know, even some of the best yeah. in history. That's the thing we've got to really put into perspective. You know, going into this year, we didn't expect those guys to contribute. Come out of training camp, Quay Walker's a starting inside linebacker, and it's like, oh, we got us something here. We all got excited. I was I was the first to get excited about it. But uh, yeah, we got to kind of put kind of pump the brakes on the rookies a little bit. You know, we, there's no expectation there for Devontae Wyatt at the moment because we nobody projected him as a starter. You know what I mean? Just from based out of training camp. But Michigan Rob here says, "I love your deer season beard. It's sweet." Good stuff there, Ryan. Commenting on the beard. Uh, it's funny too. His his avatar there with uh, Chris Farley. I just I read that in Chris Farley's voice. I don't know if you. Know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Philip says a few times I saw twelve on third down. Uh, didn't even look to his left coming out of his drop uh, when his guys were open. But he tried the slip move. He used to do so well, and I wonder if they could bring Clay back. Um, All right. So here's here's the deal, Rogers. What I've finally come to grips with is his his arm is fine. The accuracy's still there. He's still got the brain, too much brain, in my opinion. I think he overthinks it from time to time. Yeah. But he has definitely lost a step, Ron. That's not the same Aaron Rodgers oh, yeah. back moving around the pocket. And, oh, yeah. and that depresses me because I've seen what happened to Ben Roethlisberger. My brother grew up in the 70s. He's quite a bit older than me, huge Steelers fan. And I watched his whole decline You know, as he, his, as he started to lose his legs. And it's tough to watch. Mm. I'm just going – Aaron, please let's start leaning on this run, man. Don't don't go out the way yeah. Ben did, you know. Um, yeah, and it, it it almost seems like he he kind of knows it. I mean, th- there's opportunities to step up in the pocket, and he's not really taking it. And when he does, it looks like he's running in quicksand. He's not really moving the same way he used to. And I, I don't know. It it seems like he doesn't really trust his legs as much as he did either. It's kind of, I think he knows it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we appreciate you guys hopping in here in the comments, man. Uh, I, we wasn't expecting that. We were <laughs> expecting the first 20 minutes of the show to be a, a little bit of chalk talk, but here we are still talking about the comments. But we appreciate you guys in your uh, in here being active. But let's do this, Ryan. Let's go ahead and share the screen. Let's get into a little bit of chalk talk, man. I'm excited about this. Um, this is one of the few highlights of the day. I say that, but really the first half was was loaded with highlights. And you, you can see my screen, right? Yes. All right, good deal. So this play right here came obviously in the second quarter, um, seven minutes, 33 seconds left. It was a second and one uh, from the one. Not sure how that works, but I guess the first down marker was on the two-inch line. But uh, the score was 10-3 to three Green Bay at the time. And for those of you listening on the podcast here on Thursday, we're going to try to do our best to describe it so, so you understand exactly what we're saying. The Packers are going from right to left on the screen. We're watching the TV copy here. I had the All-22, but I like the TV just as, better as, just as good as the uh, All-22. But this play right here, Ryan, is called 12-I, strong left, Z-closed, H-motion, strong sift, Double fake Z jet Y leak X slant. Is that long enough for you? Again, 12i strong left Z close H motion strong sift double fake Z jet Y leak X slant. Now I'm going to explain what all that means. First, first things first 12, right? This is 12 personnel. It's one running back, two tight ends. Now it's in an I formation, so it's 12i. Some people would just go ahead and call this 21i, but we all know DeGuara is a tight end. And I think it's important to mention that, right? So in this specific formation, he would be considered the H-back, okay? Anytime a tight end is in the backfield, 
not any time, but most cases, offenses like to refer to them as H-backs, okay? So that's the 12-I, 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, I formation. Strong left simply means the tight end is lined up on the left side of the formation. Z close, the Z receiver, first of all, you got to identify the X to know the Z. The X is farthest on the opposite side of the tight end, which is up here, and that's Lazard. So the Z receiver is Christian Watson here. The reason it's Z close is you guessed it. He's right up in the tight in the tight end's hip pocket. He's off the line of scrimmage. That makes the tight end the Y. So Christian Watson is the Z. So again, it's Z close. Next is H motion, strong sift. So the fact that we said um, 12I, it didn't say 12I weak, or else that would have meant, or 12I strong would have meant the fullback would be either left or right here. He's directly in the eye. That's why it's just a 12I. Now, H motion, strong sift. What that simply means is the H, the H back, which is Deguara, is going to motion to the strong side, which is the left side. Okay. So that's going to be a pre snap motion. And his assignment is going to be a sift block. Okay. And it's a sift release. I just didn't mention it because you can see how the plays designed. They were looking to go to Mercedes here. And if you guys haven't caught on, this is the touchdown pass to Mercedes Lewis. Okay. So that's the play call formation. You get everybody in here. You're trying to get everyone in close tight. Right. And uh, let's roll it here and show you kind of what happens. The first thing I want to point out is I'm going to actually go to the second look here from behind, Ryan, and the offensive line, watch how they really sell the run here. And you always hear LaFleur talk about marrying the run with the pass, but watch how they look zone left. I mean, that looks like a running play, right? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. There it is. All right. So they're they're married up. They're running left. Right. That's what it looks like. So from the defense's perspective, if you watch that second level, they all bite run right here. They're watching A.J. Dillon big time. Right. So they're selling out to that. Um, the next thing I will point out is the H back motion. DeGuara pulls the linebacker to the strong side. So if you watch it pre snap here, he's already moved. I'm going to go back to this copy so you can see it. Here's the pre snap H back motion. You see DeGuara shift and look at the secondary, Ryan. You see how the, the guy in the middle there, I believe it's a linebacker there. Mm -hmm. the is in the in the, the B gap uh, closer to the outside. He shifts, it pulls him over to the left. This is what we talked about all offseason, Ryan, how this pre-snap motion gets people moving in the opposite direction. In, in some cases, they move in, in three different directions by the end of the play. Um, now, if you look at Dylan's play action here, we're going to do a play fake to Dylan first, and he really, if you really pay attention, he forces that linebacker to bite. Look how they both bite. I mean, they're on A.J. Dillon right here. And it, it's not until the end of the play that you realize they're playing a zone defense, and those guys, their assignment is middle zone and deep left zone, right? So the fact that they run this play action, DeGuara comes across with a sift block. First of all, DeGuara completely whiffs. <laughs> and I know DeGuara had a great game, but right here he just literally just falls down. But that A.J. Dillon play fake really gets the defense to bite heavy there. And uh, that kind of sets the whole play up for what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, with the D with uh, the Dylan play fake, the linebacker bites up next. You've got Watson with the Z 
end around or jet fake. Okay, and watch how it takes the DB out of the play. I want to. I want you to key in right here, Ron. The DB is up here in the gap. He's looking to play the run fit, and as soon as you see Christian Watson go on this fake jet or end around. I believe this would technically be called an end around, but most people identify with the jet. Watch, watch how that DB up there really bites over. I mean, that's exactly what you've been talking about on the pod. Yep. With Christian Watson on these end arounds, he really is moving defenders. I mean, yeah, he keeps the 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 weak side at home. But the big thing is right there in the middle. Those guys, there is nobody on the left side because they, they've got so much to focus on right here. It's not even funny. All right. And then, of course, uh, that's going to leave him naked. And then five, the fifth point here, Lewis really sells the run, right? Watch Mercedes Lewis on this strong side here. For those of you watching, strong side right here, watch Mercedes Lewis. I mean, he really sells the run. And he's going to do a little delay leak. That's the leak aspect of the play. I mean, he sells it right here. He wasted the last possible second. Bam. And, you know, you were talking about DeGuara, Ryan, this whole week and how he had a, had a big week, graded out well, mm -hmm. all that stuff. The thing I noticed about DeGuara was he they ran a lot of release routes. And every time they ran release routes, basically a block with a delayed release, they were open all day long. Were they not? Yeah. Yep. All right. So – Lewis sells the run uh, by engaging the release, and then if the if the if the safety on the strong side stayed home, then it becomes a two read basically. And, and what I want to point out here is watch on this strong side over here. Who's supposed to be covering this zone? They all bite. Let's say let's assume that they stayed home, right? And there's defenders there. Okay, let's assume that. If that's the case, then what becomes the option for Rogers are these two hits right here. Because, you know, Lazard is covered. There's nothing there. What Essentially what you've got is DeGuara after he picks himself up off the turf. You've got him underneath, and you've got Dylan underneath. Those are the other two options. But, again, I didn't even mention that in the play call. That would just be, uh, you know, kind of expected. And, of course, you got the X slant on the other side. But the, the, the beautiful thing about this play is everything that's got us frustrated, Ron, about Aaron Rodgers always going with the pass of the RPO – you know, when you when you run an RPO play, you don't have this creativity, and it's so frustrating. Do you agree with that? Yeah. No, I I loved and I highlighted this play today on on my podcast when I went through. I loved everything about this play for for a lot of reasons. First of all, one of the things I was harping on is where where is that creativity? Where is that one play that when you really need a big play, you pull it out of your back pocket? This is the one. Essentially, this was a double fake. They yeah. ran to the left, right? And, and the Giants did a really good job. The linebackers did a good job all day of, of, of reading and reacting and all that. So they ran to the left. But as they're doing that, DeGuara sneaks around over to the right side. And then you see Watson uh, sprinting to the right. And a couple of guys catch that and they panic. And, and so you got two groups of people. Some of them have sold out on the run and they're, they're lost in the scrum. It's game over. But you've got a linebacker, a safety, and the edge break free and are like, ha, we got him, right? We got him. <laughs> we caught Watson. It's all good. They all forgot about Mercedes Lewis. It was a double fake. It was, we're trying to pretend that we want you to look left so we can go right. Yep. And really, we, want, we, we wanted you to look left and then look right because we're going left. I mean, it, it was, yeah. it was th this play was designed to go to Mercedes all day long. It was a double fake. We, we, we wanted them to make a good play and make a good read and, and try to sniff it out. And they saw it, and that was perfect. And we went to the backside. The guy that hasn't caught a pass in like four years because he's just a blocker. I don't think he's had a touchdown in like two years. Um, yeah. This is that one play that you keep in your back pocket for that one time when you really want it. And um, they pulled it out, and I love it. And I, and I, I really do. The more I look at this, think, you know, the uh, the offense is the the side of the ball that's doing the best it can with what it has. It's very creative. It's doing a lot of th it doesn't feel like it when you watch it and it stagnates, but when you really dig in and look at it, it is really creative and doing a lot of cool things. The defense is kind of the op opposite. They got all the talent and they're not doing anything with it. But th this was just this is the poster child of everything that's awesome about this offense. Absolutely. It it, it truly is the yin and the yang. I mean, you like yeah. you said they're Okay, we've we've our backs are against the wall. We have limited talent on this side of the ball outside of our backfield. Let's get creative. And on the other side, it's like, ah, let's just line up and play. 
And it's, oh. it is, it's a, it's a wasted opportunity. And you, you hit the nail on the head again in the play call. It's double fake Z jet. And it is a double fake. It's literally a play fake to AJ Dillon. It's a play fake to Christian Watson. And then, like you said, um, as I like to say, uh, Mercedes Lewis is running butt naked through the trailer park, man. He is wide yeah. freaking open. So I uh, really, really like that play call, man. It was awesome. And you know what's crazy is that to me, that's the frustrating part. And that's the reason we lost the game was when the game was on the line, we come down there, you know, we got two shots essentially to get two yards. Um, and where was this kind of play call? Right. Right. And the right. problem was, Aaron walks to the sideline, and this is why I have problem with people saying fire LaFleur, and I have people a uh, problem with people saying we'd be better off with Aaron Rodgers. It's not either or. It's them together is yeah. the problem. Like, he literally walks to the sideline, and he says something. I'm sure Matt asked him, what do you want to do here? What do you think? And, and I'm sure Aaron said they're loading the box, okay? And that's when LaFleur said, do you want to pass? You want to pass. Because, I mean, obviously, if they're loading the box, then you want to pass. That's that's the – I can't imagine he's like, you know, they're loading the box. So you want to run? Now you can read his mouth, you know, his lips. He said you want to pass. So rather than there being all this movement and, and all of this stress being put horizontally on the defense, the play then turns into, all right, just one option here. <laughs> yeah. No, just, right, exactly. And and this you could even say this play was, was one option. But the creativity is what got him free. There's nothing. Absolutely. What what did Lazard do on that final play? Nothing. We're just trying to throw a back shoulder. I mean, right. there's there's nothing creative about that. It's it's we got one guy, and I hope he beats him. You yeah. know. So yeah, that where where is that play? The other thing that kind of bothers me is at, at first I, I I didn't realize it was the previous two plays were runs. So you know we wanted them to run when there was two yards left. It's like well it was it was run run and then we that we ran two passes. But the first play we ran for seven yards. The second play, he probably would have gotten a touchdown if he just didn't get tripped up a little bit. So, you know, the, I still think the run was working, so we should have at least tried it, and it's frustrating that we didn't. Um, yeah. But, but the, you know, the, the problem with the whole loading the box thing is another thing I noticed when I watched the game is that all we're doing is counting how many people are kind of, you know, in the box or up at the line. But there were times when you had six guys across the defensive line and one guy in the middle. Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, what, whatever it was. Somehow there's eight, but there's not that. That when you actually look at where you're running and how many people are in that actual zone that you're running, there's yep. no point in calling it a loaded box. Just be, the, the guys on the outside are irrelevant to this play. So yeah. technically, there might be eight guys up at the line, but where we're running, when we need to create a gap, there's 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 two defensive tackles in front of you and one linebacker. We block that all the time. There might as well be six guys in the box in this play. So I think that's kind of a a, a misnomer sometimes when we say eight men in the box. I think we ran well against eight men in the box. So it, it, it doesn't matter to me. I I don't, I don't care. We were effective doing it. And some of the times when there's eight, it's, it doesn't really look like eight anyways. Yeah. And and I completely agree. And on that fourth down play, even Aaron acknowledged it on the McAfee show. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should have handed it off to Dylan there. You definitely should have, because like you said, there were eight in the box, but they were overloaded to the right. And yeah, all it would have exactly. taken was a zone left run, and he he probably walks in untouched. Well, but, and and that's a that's the funny thing too. On some of these plays, you look at it as a loaded box. You, you got at least two guys, if not three, on some of these plays that you could just you don't have to block them. They're completely right. unblocked. So that's three guys that are not accounted for. So now you're down to basically five against our five. If you leave if you leave three guys unblocked, so the yeah. the eight men in the box thing is nonsense to me. Sometimes it is when it's really compressed and you got the four guys. Here yep. and then you got you know it's it's really hard to run against. Sometimes it's just a bunch of guys close to the line of scrimmage and and one or two guys behind. But it's not hard to actually run against when you look at the numbers of where we're trying to run. Right. No, it's very well said, and, and it's why I always I, I like to go back and watch the tape before I comment. And it was such an yeah. emotional loss. It was hard to do that during the post game show. It was like right. My, and, and my biggest issue wasn't you know, wasn't those last two play calls. The game, in my opinion, was lost at the 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter when we come out and our defense is gas and Aaron Rodgers goes deep pass sideline, uh, middle to deep pass, uh, you know, uh, deep pass basically middle to Cobby, yep. and then deep pass, I believe, to the right. So it's like, hold up a second. The running game is working. Yeah. Whether they load the box or not, like you said, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's let's at least try. 
I mean, yeah. worst case scenario, okay, it's a two-yard gain. All right, now we'll pass. But to just think, let's come out, hero ball, pass, 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 let's punt it back. I'm telling you, I would love to have seen a camera on our defense after that drive. I guarantee they were <laughs> right. like, are you freaking kidding me? Yep. We got to go back out here again. So um, one other thing here, we don't have the exact play. Well, let me repeat that play call one more time. Again, that was 12-I, strong left, Z close, H motion, strong sift, double fake, Z jet, Y leak, X slant. And like Ryan pointed out, the double fake is really what made that play go. We don't have the exact play call here, but I wanted to point this out. This was a 22-yard gain by uh, Romeo Dobbs, and this came here in the first quarter, uh, five minutes and two seconds left. It was obviously a three-to-nothing game. And I just want to p- really highlight Romeo Dobbs here. I really do. So a- as we roll the tape here, for you guys listening on the pod, it's it's basically a single-back set. It's a uh, kind of a stack look on the bottom of the screen. The Packers are going from left to right. Um, to me, it, it also looks like it's probably a 12 look. It might be. It might not be. It's hard to tell here. I didn't get that information together. I just want to point out Romeo Dobbs on this play. So Romeo is in the slot down here. I guess he would technically be the X um, in this six, uh, this situation. But uh, as they roll it, you're going to kind of see the route combination of Cobby going on a crosser as Dobbs clears up kind of towards the sideline. But then he's going to run uh, kind of an in route behind uh, Randall Cobb. And the whole purpose of this play I'm going to give you a different view here, Ryan, from behind. You can kind of see them drawing on the screen there of what they're doing. You're looking to have Cobb come across. There's going to be a middle defender, a guy playing middle zone, and the goal is to overload his zone. And as they cross the field, you see Cobb clear out. The window is not there. You could have probably hammered in that first window if you wanted to. Aaron waits. Now the read becomes, do we want to hit the second window over here or do we want to hit the backside, right? Do you Mm -hmm. want to hit? Cobby on the second window here, or do you want to come backside to Dobbs? And as he clears, you can see he goes to Dobbs because he sees that middle defender turns and goes with Cobb, right? It could have been a big play to Cobb, but I understand. We, we, we could have hit either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pick, pick one, right? But it, the, with the middle linebacker, when he turns his back, Rodgers knows, okay, I'm going to Dobbs. But the thing I wanted to point out with this play is here you've got Dobbs, a rookie receiver screaming across the middle. I mean, he does not play like a rookie, Ryan. This dude is confident. He's yeah. he's he's not scared to go across the middle. And and another thing, this throw is off the mark from Rodgers, right? It's behind him. And look at him adjust midair, make the catch, make another hands catch. We're seeing that more and more. It's amazing how his hands were the problem in training camp. And to me, his mm-hmm. hands look like the strong point now if we could just no get him kidding. to hold on the ball from fumbling. But what do you think about uh, about Dobbs here, man? Well, I'm right before we did this. I went on a little tirade on Packernet After Dark about guys not putting in work, um, you know, when they don't have to. But one of the guys that does is Romeo Dobbs. I wonder if sitting in front of a jugs machine and actually putting in extra work has helped him a little bit as far as no. doing that. Imagine that you 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 work on something and you get better at it. But um, no, I I I like. I like everything he's doing, and he, and he's growing a little bit every week. And I mean, there's really nothing he's not doing. I'm sure there's just it's one of those things where you just put a couple things on his plate. I mean, as much as we say that about Christian Watson, we have that with Dobbs too. He they they haven't unraveled everything to him yet, but everything he's doing is great. He's running great routes. He's got good speed in the hands. Like you said, it's it's fantastic. Um, I can't tell if you know one of those things where he should have slowed down and sat in that area a little bit where Rodgers wanted him to be, but it doesn't matter. Rodgers throws it to where he wants to throw it, and uh, Dobbs is able to. I mean, really, it's, it's unfortunate for anybody that can't watch this because. For him to jump in the air and contort his body backwards and catch it, not just behind him, but really reach out. It feels like every one of his catches, he's fully extending his arms out. Yeah. It's an incredible catch to me. And it it it's almost doesn't seem that big of a deal because he makes it look like it's no big deal. He catches it, back shoulder, spinning his body, catches it, and just immediately is like, all right, I got to get up the field and start making some plays here. But, yeah. I mean, when you look at what he had to do to catch, that easily could have sailed behind him, and we would have just looked at it and go, what a crap throw from Rodgers. But he got <laughs> – no, and that's the other thing. You look at – it's funny because Chicago Bears Twitter is all over this right now. Justin Fields threw a couple of iffy balls here and there, and the receivers didn't catch it. And obviously my perspective is, well, throw a better ball. But, you know, one of the things they're saying is sometimes you got to bail your guy out. You know, sometimes the ball isn't exactly where it needs to be, and – you know, star receivers, top receivers, they bail their guy out. 
And I think we got a couple guys that do that. And the fact that Dobbs is one of them, and this is why the ball is going to keep going back to him. If, yep. if I know that I can trust you or I, if I don't have to throw it perfect, if I throw it behind you, you're going to make a contorted catch like that. You're going to bail me out. That's what I need from you. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm really impressed with what he's doing. The other thing I like is we're giving it right back to them like they're doing to us because they're playing that soft zone BS that we did all day long. Yep. And now they're doing it to us. And we're just, like I said, we had two guys open on that. You know, you just go find that zone and hit it. Right. And if Aaron makes an accurate throw here and we hit Dobbs in stride, I mean, Oof. especially from this view, I mean, you, you still got that backer with his with his back turned. If he hits him in stride right there, he's yeah. probably making that safety. He's off to the races. Yeah, he might be up the sideline. So, yep. um, yeah, good stuff, dude. Good stuff. Um, again, we just wanted to point that out because there's little things that Dobbs is Dobbs is doing that's uh, that's really really exciting, man. I don't know. I, he's I, I'm 100 on the hop train now. I mean, yeah, it's going to take him completely failing at this point to get me off the hop train because he showed enough as a rookie that he he belongs. And and the fact that he had that weakness with his hands and like you said, getting on the jugs machine. And then you hear him in in uh you know in the locker room and in interviews and just the way he carries himself, man. He seems like he loves the game, but he's not one of these guys who's going to talk a lot. You know, yeah. I'm trying to think of a receiver he reminds me of because, you know, receivers are so flamboyant. Right. Yeah. I don't want to say Tay because that's too easy. And he's not a, he's not assaulting a cameraman. I'm just joking. <laughs> right? I'm not saying he should be in jail. All right. But it's just I don't know, man. He he's something else that he really is. It is hard. Yeah. I see atheist for the cause just said, is he the new Jordy? And that, that was kind of my first thought is, Ooh. you know, it's like. You try to think of a comp for him, and it's it's really hard. He's he's kind of unique in the way that he does stuff. There's probably somebody from from in the past that I'm just not really thinking of, but like he doesn't fit the Devonte mold. He doesn't fit the Jordy mold. He doesn't fit obviously Lazard or any of the guys that we have right now. I can't really think of of who he fits as, but whatever it is, I like it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree, man. All right, we're at the man. This I can't believe how fast this went by. <laughs> right. We're at the forty-nine minute mark. It's amazing. I, I want to touch on one more thing though, and this uh, this is kind of a sensitive subject. Um, we're going to talk politics. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we've we've got to stop with it's it's time to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And I know everybody doesn't feel that way. All right, I'm yeah. trying not to giggle because it's just cracking me up. Um, I caught into Packernet after dark tonight and uh, and actually left a voicemail. I don't know if you've heard it yet or not, but I haven't got I that kinda far touched, yet. Yeah, I kind of touched on it. And um, we're, we're making it sound as if Aaron Rodgers is horrible. Like he's – I'm going to read a couple numbers off to you here, okay? Because I, I wanted to check because I'm going, am I just being a fanboy? How bad is yeah. Aaron Rodgers playing? PFF passing grade has him eighth in the league right now. Now I understand that's that's quite a drop from an MVP caliber season, right? That was his passer grade to the best of my knowledge. Passing grade eighth. His completion percentage, he's sixth in the entire National Football League in completion percentage. To me, that's very important in this Matt LaFleur system, is that you stay efficient because it is a very short passing game, in my opinion. You see a lot of the RPO bubbles, the RPO flats, the lookies, all those things. You've got to be accurate, and it needs to function at a high level when it comes to completion percentage. He's sixth in that. In touchdown passes on the year, he's ninth in the league in touchdown passes. In passer rating, according to ESPN, he's 10th. Not QBR, but passer rating, he's 10th. Guys, we we only have $14 million tied up in the wide receiver room. That's 24th in the entire league. So we have the 24th. Um, I don't know if you'd say expensive or cheapest, however you want to word it, but definitely in the bottom half of half of the league of money spent on wide receivers. The offensive line, I think we would all agree, has underperformed up to this point in the in the in the season. And he's basically top 10 in everything that I deem important. I want completion percentage that that typically uh, determines how accurate someone is for the most part. And then the passing grade with PFF is what really means the most to me. What was he able to do within the scheme of the system with, with what PFF thinks the, the design of the play was, how efficient was he? He's not playing horrible. He's not playing MVP caliber. He's not playing, you know, 25 to $45 million per year caliber, right, as far as cap hit. But we've got to stop pretending like Jordan Love would be the better option right here. And, and I'm sorry, I'm just not ready to tank. Ryan, you have the floor. <laughs> Well, no, it's like I said, I, 
I understand where people are coming from, and I, I get that. The way I see it is that they might be right that there are a couple blind spots that he has. Nobody is 100% perfect across the board. Everybody has weaknesses. Rogers probably has some. I think the issue is when we see those weaknesses, we look at it and say, you know, 95% of the NFL doesn't have those weaknesses. So if we play somebody else like Jordan Love, it would be better. That's true. But that's in that <laughs> tiny little facet. Right. Every other part of the game gets a lot worse and there's no doubt in my mind, and, and, and here's the thing, I'm, I'm with you up to that point of, you know, certain things would get better, maybe we'd be more in structure, maybe, I don't know. But um, the the bigger issue is, I can't be with you if you think we're actually going to be a better football team with Jordan Love than Aaron Rodgers, right? We might fix a couple things and, and you know, whatever, but things are going to get worse. And especially that Giants game, I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, we probably would have run the ball more, but as I thought about it, no, we wouldn't, because... That is the worst team you'd ever want to play with Jordan Love because remember the last time he played and what the Chiefs did and they just blitzed like seven guys every single time? Yep. This is like the most blitz-happy guy in the world. He would have sent nine guys and just said, best of luck, and it would yep. have been the most the biggest disaster you've ever seen. So, yep. you know, I, I, I like Love, and, and you know, I, I get the general sentiment of just find somebody else that'll be a robot and just follow the structure. I and, do too. you know, yeah. may, may, maybe there are some some guys, you know, you might take Jordan Love off the table. Maybe there's somebody that's slightly lesser talented than Aaron Rodgers, but still talented enough and is more of a robot that maybe could possibly be a better fit. I don't know, but um, yeah. my my biggest thing is who cares because Rodgers isn't leaving. He's our quarterback. <laughs> let's let's yeah. let's move on with what we have and and see how it goes. And you know, next year if he leaves and and Jordan Love takes over, it's going to be bad. And um, we'll see how it goes. But right now, we don't need to worry about it. I mean, that it's fun, I guess, to think about. But I think we spent no, too much ain't. time talking. To, it, well, it, it's fun. It's fun for me to theorize about things, I guess. And I know a lot of people like to do that. But I don't. I, I think we've exhausted the topic because yeah, what what are we? We're, we're talking about stuff that's never going to happen. Let's talk about things that are that are real that maybe we could do. You know, if you want more Christian Watson, okay, let's talk about that. You want Rodgers to leave. That's never going to, you know, that's not going to happen. Why are we talking about it? Right. No, I agree, man. And, and it, it's kind of unfair for me. You know, I'm a hothead. I'm Irish, dude. I'm an Irish redneck. <laughs> like, I hear one or two comments and it automatically makes me think that everybody believes that, you know? Yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> so I'm that I'm way too. Of, I, I'm definitely pointing out the, the minority as far as, you know, opinion. Um, but it just, I, I'm like, it's been somewhat embarrassing this week. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Everything that I've always seen the Viking fans and the Bear fans embarrass themselves over, I'm finding myself going, come on, guys, we're Packer backers. Like, we don't we don't talk like this. What are we doing? Over a five-point loss. We lost by five points. <laughs> that, that's the hardest part about what I'm doing is, you know, it, it I'm, I'm torn because I'm saying what I think is real. And what's real is not great, right? The, the things that are real are, are, are negative, but – Every word that comes out of my mouth is like, this is, this is, if, if I was doing laughing at the enemy, I could just clip my entire show and play it and be like, listen to these guys breaking down after one loss. Packer fans have one loss and they're freaking out. And it would just be me and my whole podcast. But the, the, the bottom line is that I'm not freaking out. I just, mm -hmm. I want to acknowledge where we're at. Things are not great where we're at, but we, we do need to, it's, it's a very fine line between, acknowledging things are bad and trying to look at the future and, and just being kind of stupid. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to say where the line is and who crossed it because I don't want to do that, but, uh, right. th there's definitely a line there. And I think we've seen people maybe take things a little bit too far. Yeah. I've definitely been guilty of it in the past. Yep. That's for sure. And yep. I am way, way, way too conservative at times. Um, I I'm the guy that says, listen, if we win, we win. Um, you know, it's a tough league, this and that. And then I'm also the guy that watches Pat Mahomes run his offense and watch Josh Allen run his offense. And I'm like, man, that looks way different than what we're doing. A hundred percent. Well, and, and the, you know, now you mentioned the, the Chiefs, the thing that drove me nuts is somebody put on Twitter when they were down big time at halftime, the Chiefs are going to come back and win, aren't they? And I commented, absolutely, they are. And sure enough, I, I didn't even watch the game. I come to find out they beat them in the end. And I'm like, you know, we're just not that. You know, right. I, I I don't want to go into like panic mode necessarily, but we need to be that. And that's definitely not where we're at. I mean, that's, there's near. so much yep. more to it, too. It's not just that because they're good. It's it's the confidence of it. It's the cre it's the the knowing when we come out of the locker room. I don't care what the score says. We're going to win because we're better than you. And we just don't have that.
So yeah, yeah it, it is hard to watch these other teams and and yeah, I'm 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 the guy that tries to be level headed, but I also don't like doing live streams because I don't want people to see how not level headed I really am. Because I am <laughs> I am a psychopath, dude. I yeah. yeah, like I said, first play if first play of the game if it goes incomplete, uh freaking here we go, here we go again. <laughs> He's open, Rogers throw. It's been one play, and I'm already like, uh, I this is I can't do this. Here we go. So yeah. I'm I'm a basket case. Dude, I'm the same way. Mandy was driving. I'm watching, and literally two minutes before, I said, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we need to boat race them. We need this for our <laughs> Europe crowd." And the very next drive that we had the ball, I'm like, "Why are we running the ball?" She's yeah. like, "I thought we were winning." <laughs> yeah. so everybody's guilty of it. Um, as we get ready to wrap here, wrap up here, um, you know, Atheist says in the chat, "Imagine if we pull that game out and we're four and one. The whole narrative is different." That's what I'm saying. It sucks. We should not have lost that game. And not that we're going into the week going, we shouldn't lose to the Giants. I'm saying with the way the game played out, we should not have lost it. We should have ran the ball more. We should have gotten away from the RPO aspect. And hopefully LaFleur and Rodgers learn from that and they adjust. And I, I really think they will. But, again, it was a five-point loss. We were we were literally six points away from being four and one, right? And and like I said, the whole the whole thing changes. So um, no reason to panic. Although it is concerning. And as we wrap the show up, we'll end it with our buddy Jacob here. He's probably uh, you know uh, working tonight, but he just says one simple word: Roadhouse. And that is the most important aspect. So with that being said, guys, we're going to get out of here. Appreciate you guys in the chat, man. You killed it tonight. You made the show. We were going to have to really. Uh, you know, fumble over words and try to put something together to fill an hour slot. And you guys filled over half of it. We really appreciate it. So, um, again, that play call that we outlined tonight on Chalk Talk, 12-I, strong left, Z close, H-motion, strong sift, double fake, Z-jet, Y-leak, X-slant. Hope you enjoyed it. Appreciate the feedback. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.